You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. So as I mentioned, John and I are going to be doing an ep- uh, one episode each week that is going to be uh, almost purely a mailbag episode. If you're listening to this and you haven't put this email into your contacts yet uh, for the Utopia Football Podcast, mailbag at gmail.com. It's a special email we've got set up. Uh, we got a bunch of questions came into the inbox this week. I'm sure the more we talk about it and the more we tweet it out, the more questions we're going to get each and every week, especially once we have games to dig into. You can only dig into a 53-man roster so many times before you're repurposing the same questions. But some of you were able to come up with some good ones this week. So we thought, John, just to maybe stretch out our mailbag hammies a little bit, I thought we'd answer a few questions from the people, some of which are a little time sensitive. So I thought it'd be a good idea to slip some of these in this week. So you up for a few mailbag questions? Yep. And I got the first one. Okay. I asked, I asked Lovey Smith in his post 53 news conference. Okay. You got Harrison, a former defensive player at fullback. When he comes in, does that tip off everybody you're going to run the ball? Because sometimes people like to have a fullback who can catch just to catch people off guard and to put it on tape where people have to beware that they might throw him the ball or throw the ball when they're expecting run. And he said when they scouted him, he played linebacker slash defensive end. Not only was he a great athlete, a really tough guy, he had real good hands. Mm. Now, I don't know if he's saying that just to get the word out there to the Colts. We'll see. But that's the first thing I thought about when he made the roster. When he goes in, is it always going to be a run? And is he going to be any kind of receiving threat? And I wouldn't doubt at all if the first time he's on the field, first couple they run, and then they throw him a little swing pass Mm. just to have it on tape. And uh, I think that's very important. So that was my first question. Fire away. Okay, there we go. All right, so, John, kind of segueing off of what you were talking about before with your season-long prediction for the Texans, Ryan Crossingham emails in, uh, for the upcoming season, what do you guys see as the best-case scenario and the worst-case scenario for the team, and which is more likely? Sean, I think worst-case scenario would be Davis Mills getting hurt. Then they got to go with Kyle Allen, and then maybe they would win fewer than four games. And if they did, that wouldn't be all bad because they'd have a shot at a, another quarterback or uh, one of the uh, great defensive players. And uh, is it Will Johnson Jr. who's at uh, Alabama? The uh, Will Anderson. Outside. Will Anderson Jr. who's yep. at Alabama. And that guy is an incredible He's a beast. prospect. Yes. And everybody says he is the most talented prospect, even though C.J. Stroud, Ohio State quarterback, will go first. But I think that would be the worst-case scenario. 
I saw Ian Rappaport, the NFL Network, tell somebody this week they could be 500. And I say, nope, they ain't going to be 500 because there's no 500 anymore. I would think a best-case scenario for this team after winning four would be if they could win seven or eight. They came mm-hmm. so close to beating the Patriots, the Titans. They they lost a one-score game at Miami. They could have won. And that was when they were in disarray. And now they have some stability uh, as far as Lovey Smith and Pep Hamilton. And uh, so I would say uh, worst case is you're competing for the first pick and Mills gets hurt. And I would say best case, seven or eight victories. John, I, I, I mean, I'll give you maybe a little more kind of nuanced look at the worst case. I think the worst case for this team is that Davis Mills is not the guy, but they go out and because maybe they're better defensively than we think, they go out and they win like six or seven games, kind of like Atlanta did last year, you know, where Atlanta, Atlanta was a horrible, horrible football team, but they somehow found a way to win seven games or six games, something like that. So they're picking eighth in the draft. That to me is the worst case scenario is that you win enough games, wow. right? You Where you win enough where you know, God, we need a quarterback. I mean, Davis Mills is not good, but they win too many games. And now they're having to give up both of their first round picks just to start to maneuver around where you're having to give up draft capital just to get into position to get a guy that you feel is an elite quarterback. If indeed that's what Nick Casario would want to do. Who knows? Maybe one of the non-Stroud, non-Bryce Young guys tickles his fancy and he thinks he can get him at nine or something like that. But I, John, I don't view Davis Mills either getting hurt or being bad and then finishing near the top of the draft as the worst case scenario. To me, the worst case scenario is Davis Mills is bad. You need a quarterback, but you're not in position in the draft to go get one without having to use up some of that draft capital that you got for Deshaun Watson. That's the worst case for me. That's a great point. What's your best case? My best case is is that they they cobbled their way to nine and eight. I don't I don't think there's any way they went double digit games. No, we're talking best case, John. I'm not saying it's likely. I know. Yeah, I'm saying Nine. best case. Best case yeah. is they, you know, they have a they maybe they have a massive victory and turnover margin again. Hey, look, if Davis Mills plays like he did the last five games of last year and they finish with a similar turnover margin as they did last year, then they're gonna they're gonna mess around and win seven or eight games. And you get to seven or eight, then you're a player two away from getting nine. So to me, the best case scenario would be a miraculous nine and eight. I think the most likely scenario I'm with you is six. That's where I'm, that's where I'm putting my money right now. But um, I, and, and so I, you know, my, the big thing is mills. Like I'm not even looking at the uh, John, I'm not even looking at win total this year. I'm looking at what's the development of Davis mills and how many of these guys they brought into the building in the last two years are guys that you want to keep around for the next six years, that kind of thing. I'm, um, I, I'm like you. And I, I wrote a column that will be published soon for an organization that is yet to announce that I'm writing columns and they'll be free, free, free about the <laughs> pressure, the excruciating pressure on males because he holds the fate of the franchise in his right on his right arm. And because it, what they could do with those two picks next year, if he's the man like Stingley and Petrie, maybe a defensive end who's a great pass rusher and another offensive lineman, or maybe yeah. what about a tight end, a position they're still sorely lacking. But as you mentioned earlier, if he's not, then they got to basically start over at the position, which could set back their rebuild by a couple of years. No doubt. No doubt. The ability to use those first round picks and second round and third round picks for things other than maneuvering around to get a quarterback is gigantic 
for this team. Like the development of Davis Mills is one of the most important things in the history of this franchise in terms of accelerating a rebuild. Uh, speaking of which, John, Chris in Atlanta asks, and again, you can email questions in mailbag at gmail.com. Chris in Atlanta asks, uh, not including an injury-related reason, do you see any possibility that Mills is not the starting quarterback for the Texans at the end of this season? In other words, if he stays healthy, is Mills the quarterback regardless of performance, or could he get yanked for Kyle Allen at some point? No, I don't see him getting yanked for Kyle Allen unless he's hurt. No way. Yeah. Because the truth is, they got to see him the entire year. And if say he's really bad, then that helps him get a higher pick. Yeah. If the the another thing is if he's if he's up and down. If he shows ability like at the end of last season, you get excited. But say he reverts to a four interception game like he did at Buffalo, because they play some big time teams on on their schedule. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's back and forth where you want to see the good, but boy, you fear the bad. Yeah. So I think I there's no way Kyle Allen is going to start over Mills if he's healthy. Yeah, if he's healthy. I'm with you on that. Chris also left an excellent recipe for Buffalo chicken dip, John. You laughed at Ooh. me for telling people to send recipes, but it's it's it looks delicious. It's kind of that creamy buffalo chicken dip, you know. Well, thanks to Chris. Be sure and send it to me. I will. I'll forward it to you for sure. Thank you, Chris, for that. Yes, we we don't want you to send in recipes, people, just solely recipes. But if you want to attach some at the bottom of your questions for the Texans, um, this just in. John and I both love food. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, John, uh, Bob in Buffalo Speedway asks, what's the loudest game you've ever heard in NRG Stadium? Uh, the, the, by far in the regular season was uh, TJ Yates' first start against Bingo. Atlanta. Yep. Because the fans must have just decided we need to help this guy. And I couldn't believe it. Nobody in the press box could, could believe it. We're like, whoa, what's happened here? That was the loudest ever. And in the playoffs, the loudest I've ever seen was 2011 when they're playing Cincinnati and they were trying to win their first playoff game after winning their first division title with TJ Yates throwing the winning touchdown pass to Kevin Walter. Can you hear the, t- the phone ring? That's now? okay. It's a, it's a podcast job. No okay. worries. Without, let me start that over for Figgy. Um, with TJ Yates throwing that winning touchdown pass to Kevin Walter, the loudest I ever heard it was when the rookie, J.J. Watt, reached up, tipped uh, the Red Rifles pass and returned it for the touchdown, yep. and the place just shook. And who knew we were seeing the birth of a phenomenon? Yep, no doubt. I, I'm uh, John, I, I had just jotted on my piece of paper here, Atlanta. Early December 2011, TJ Yates' first start. I, I, that was one of those times where you sat there and said, I'm like, you said to yourself, like, I'm not you, John, but like you, a fan, anybody who was there, like, this is so loud right now. <laughs> like, this, this might be the loudest stadium I've ever been in. It was so loud in there that day. God, I hope we get back to that at some point. <laughs> you know, that level of excitement, that team, that era of football in, in Texans history, 
was and still is so beloved that 2011 2012 time frame yeah it helps when you got a quarterback who people like and yeah. and you're doing it with an underdog tj who was the third quarterback after Schaub and and matt liner and having kubiak you know everybody loved gary kubiak even though a lot of people demanded him be fired everybody liked him and respected him and the fact that he was hometown guy you know and when bill o'brien had success there were still people that didn't like bill there were a mm -hmm. lot of people no matter what happened they couldn't invest totally emotionally in the team because they didn't like bill Yep. Let's do one more in the mailbag. And, and I'll, I'll repeat next week, our mid middle of the week episode, we're going to start going to three episodes a week next week, our middle of the week episode, which is usually going to drop on uh, Thursday is going to be all mailbag for the most part. But uh, G van uh, sends this in. Could you guys please explain the waiver process? Can we put a request for any number of players as long as our total squad is still at 70. Do we get the players as long as the top two teams ahead of us and the waiver wire don't want them? I normally, John, I wouldn't put a functional question like that in. I would tell, I would reply and say, just Google waiver process. But I think it's worth bringing up because this is going to be an important thing for the Texans over the next few weeks. I think guys are going to hit the waiver wire. Teams are still making moves. The deadline to get to 53 doesn't mean teams stop shuffling the deck for the next couple of weeks. And the Texans, not only for the rest of the preseason, but I believe it's the first few weeks of the regular season until the records kind of calibrate themselves to where you can you know, really start to say, OK, this team is the worst right now and so forth. I think the Texans are going to be sitting third on the waiver wire for a little ways into the regular season as well. So the answer to the question, John, yeah, like you can, as long as you keep your roster at 70, you can claim whoever you want to. And when you're high up in the waiver wire, like the Texans are, as long as the, as long as the, uh, the Jags and the lions don't want the guy ahead of you, then, then you're in business. But do you think the waiver process is going to be a big thing for Casario here over the next few weeks? Um, I'm not, it depends on who gets cut. First of all, thank you, Javen, for doing that. He's, he was one of the regulars on my mailbag at the Chronicle okay. every Friday. And first of all, let's point out, you see guys get waived and you see guys get released. You wonder, well, what's the difference? Released is for vested veterans. Yep. And um, I think that like picking up Tyler Johnson, they could have picked up a bunch more and they didn't. As Lovey Smith said, we like our running backs. Now, I don't think he would have said that if they planned to look for another running back. They got Marlon Mack, who averaged 5.5 carry against the 49ers, and he's on the practice squad. And I don't see anybody signing him off the practice squad, considering he hadn't done squat the last two years because he was injured. But anytime they see somebody they like, they're going to be all over him. And maybe, maybe Detroit and uh, Jacksonville are loaded in that spot. Gosh, I think it was the Bears that claimed double figures of players. Wow. And I saw another thing out this morning from Field Yates, VSPN on Twitter. He put players who were claimed by more than one team. Hmm. And Kellen Mond was claimed by two. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I think we won't see Sean as a revolving door at NRG Stadium like we did last year. But I could say yes. And Lovey acted like they're good to go with the tight ends they have. Hmm. And I'm thinking, you know, they looked for they tried to trade for Adam Sheen of Miami and they they nullified it because of his injury. Now he's on IR with the Dolphins. So they thought they needed a blocking tight end. Then now they're acting like, hey, they may use alignment. Now they better get alignment 
who can catch because if you put in a lineman as a tight end, that's kind of a giveaway you're going to be running the ball. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. All right, so we encourage you guys to email us, mailbag at gmail.com. Tell a friend. And if you want to hit either of us on Twitter, you can as well, at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. And I'm at Sean T. Pendergast. And you want to hashtag mailbag. That works as well. But email's the best, mailbag at gmail.com. 